Hello and welcome to another edition of A Matter of Public Health. It's the podcasting service of the Kent County Health Department, located in Grand Rapids, Michigan. I'm Steve Kelso, Communications Manager here at KCHD, and I'm joined today by Dr. Adam London. He's the Director of the Kent County Health Department. Adam, welcome. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you, Steve. It's a pleasure to be talking to you again. I want to make a quick note for listeners. This show is being recorded on February 17th, 2022. When you hear us talk about specific numbers, please keep in mind that new information is constantly coming into us, and the specific numbers you hear here today are very definitely going to change. So with that in mind, let's take a look at some of the highlights since you and I last met, Adam. It would appear that the Omicron spike is headed into the history books. Nationally, reported COVID-19 cases have dropped by over 40% last week. Here locally, Spectrum Health tells us that COVID-19 hospital admissions have dropped by 19% in the same time span. Hospitals nationally say that they're getting back to elective surgeries, and we saw Spectrum starting to loosen some of its visitor restrictions that it had put on during the spike. But perhaps one of the most interesting headlines of the last week came yesterday when the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services announced that it is updating its mask guidance and breaking future COVID response tactics into three distinct phases. And let's first talk about the changes in that mass guidance. What does it really mean to us? Well, first of all, there's a lot of very positive, exciting developments that have taken place in the past week or so. That Omicron surge, uh, it was enormous. It really was. And we've been on a bit of a roller coaster ride for the past two months. We had that Delta surge in December. Uh, and December was actually our third deadliest month with almost 160 deaths here in Kent County. That was an awful, awful experience for us. And just as that was starting to improve in late December, we heard about the Omicron surge which was coming. Thankfully, it did exactly what we thought it was going to do. It, uh, it accelerated quickly, was a, a large surge, but then it has diminished very quickly. And that's what's leading us to the good news that we have now with the state announcing that they are rescinding their advisory, that indoor mask uh, advisory that's been in place for all places except for those high-risk congregate care settings. Uh, and that means that we're looking at the future. And we're looking at that future where, uh, where COVID is going to be with us. There's not a thing we can do at this point in time to make COVID go away. But we don't expect to see the same sorts of surges that we've seen in the past. Uh, and we don't think we're going to have the severity of cases that we have in the past for a number of reasons, uh, including the fact that there's better treatments available now. The vaccine is there. We have a, a very high level of acquired immunity uh, in the community now. Uh, and, and, I, and I think we're all optimistically looking to the future uh, in ways that, you know, we haven't been able to in quite some time. Does the, the relaxation of the mask guidance, this does impact school children, correct? Well, sure. Uh, you, you know, the, the recommendation has been in place from CDC, and that recommendation is still there uh, that the kids in, in school should wear a mask. But there's not anything that is compelling that to happen. And really, we're recognizing now that leaders at all levels, including school leaders, have got to understand uh, where recommendations for COVID lie relative to all the other priorities and concerns that they have to juggle. And while it's generally recommended that masks are worn, um, you know, there may be valid reasons why, why a school district might want to go a different direction, and that's okay. Um, it's a recommendation that, that's out there. Um, but uh, in, in general, the, the value add now for wearing masks has diminished greatly at this point in time from where it was in the past several months because we do have vaccine and we have 
uh, such a, a you know a, a greater level of protection in the community than what existed you know five or six months ago. And by that you mean the vaccines. I, this that's really what has enabled us to get to this point, isn't it? Well, vaccines are a huge part of the story. In addition, we have broader range of therapies that are available, including an oral therapy that's uh, that's available now. Uh, we have a lot in place now, and we're also seeing that the the COVID virus itself, that Omicron virus in particular, is less virulent. It's it's milder than previous variants. Now, all of this is to say that things are improving and that we're at a very different spot now than we have been in the past. However, I think we all also have to recognize that there could be future turns for the worse that happen. And so we're going to continue to watch those data, to follow what's happening. And that's why when we look at what the state announced yesterday with those three different stages uh, of response, recovery, uh, and readiness, you know, just because we're in the recovery phase now where things are, are, are you know, we're past a surge, there's reason to be optimistic, it doesn't necessarily mean we're going to stay in that phase uh, indefinitely. Uh, it could be that we see a seasonal increase in cases in the future. It could be that we have a new variant that comes along uh, that changes the dynamics so, so, somewhat. And so as we watch uh, the science and we watch the data, uh, everyone should keep in mind that we might get to a response to, to a, a place in this response where we're back to a readiness where we're, we're seeing evidence that maybe there's a new variant and we need to uh, once again think about how we're going to mitigate uh, against that risk. Or we actually, those numbers do increase and we're in the response phase where, where actual uh, additional strategies have to be put back in place again. So we're, I think we're all equipped now, you know, to think through this and to kind of roll the punches as, as they come along. Um, but I, I think this is all part of us, um, you know, really embracing how much we've accomplished and where we can go from here. I think you raise a really good point here because I think a lot of people saw this news yesterday and they thought, that's the end of masks from this point forward, and that may not be the case. That's right. Yeah, it might not be. Um, you know, and to be clear, I hope that it is. I hope that it is. Yeah, no, no one. While I view it largely as an inconvenience, I don't mind wearing a mask. I realize that you know I don't speak for everyone on that, um, but I, I do hope that people realize that the masks, especially the higher quality masks, do provide real protection both for oneself but also for the people that you're around. Um, and there is a possibility that if this comes back again uh, and the numbers take a turn for the worse, or if we have some other pandemic in the future, uh, heaven forbid, but history tells us that time and time again these things happen. It's good for us to have a toolbox with, with practices and resources available that we can quickly adjust and so that we're not left uh, in the spot that we were two years ago. And if you remember, Steve, uh, back when we were talking about uh, making masks out of T-shirts, Right. And handkerchiefs and things like that. You know, uh, what an awful spot to be in. So hopefully we've learned from that and we're equipped so that when things, if things go bad again, we can quickly respond. Absolutely. Let's talk a little bit about these three, these three phases. Response, recovery, readiness. They, they say that recovery means uh, that we're in a post-surge. No immediate resurgence predicted. Uh, local and state public health will monitor conditions that could lead to future surges. Does this mean we don't see another Omicron or Omicron Junior or whatever we're going to call the next one out there at this point? Yeah, it means at this point we have no, um, no solid evidence that suggests that the next variant or uh, the next variable uh, is in play, which is going to drive another wave in the near future. So 
that's where we stand at this time. Again, recognizing that the, the trend line is, is going, of number of cases is going down, and that's a good thing. Um, we have no evidence to suggest that it's going to increase in the near future. But that seems like very good news. Is this the first, this is really the first time in the pandemic that public health officials have really had this opportunity for this collective few. That we, we maybe we're beyond it. Uh, yes, by and large. I think we've had uh, two relatively quiet summers, and I think that also confirms what we've thought about how this particular virus spreads and the environment in which it's the most dangerous for transmission. Uh, and the fact there's a number of things that happen in the summertime that generally make uh, respiratory infectious diseases uh, more, more challenging to spread. Um, but we always knew that our, our overall immunity was still pretty low, and, uh, and our vaccine rate was pretty low at that at those times. Uh, now we're in a spot where our community vaccine level is approaching 70% for, for all eligible persons, and, and we also know that an awful lot of people have developed an acquired immunity because they have seen the infection themselves, uh, and their immune system has responded that uh, as we approach uh, you know, the summertime, I would expect that we have, again, have a low number, but then what happens as we approach, say, next fall? Uh, and that's where we may see that the evidence is pointing us to that, uh, that readiness phase where we're, we're seeing perhaps a variant has been identified or we're seeing other places around the world or the, or the country where numbers are starting to come back up again, where we say to the community, um, you know, be aware of this. This is happening in these locations, and so the possibility exists that, that we might see a surge again. At that point, we're going to continue to work with hospitals. We're going to watch their capacity. We're going to continue to make sure that vaccine and therapies are available, that personal protective equipment and masks and things like that are available, uh, and make sure that people are ready in case we do have to, to switch to that response phase uh, where, I, again, we may be advising masking in schools might be a, a stronger recommendation. Masking in indoor public places might be a stronger recommendation we make at that, at that point. And there might be other tools we have available to us you know, down the road that we could uh, recommend as well. Now, these three phases, this is the first time we've seen them sectioned out like this, but it's probably safe to say that what we've been in up until this point is really a response phase. Yeah. That, that, and then we're finally seeing that portion of it now, maybe in our past. Yeah, that's a great point, Steve. Uh, is a, I think we've all been living in, in the response phase for a good two years now. And I think that, you know, kind of what we missed is that uh, as a society, we never really had the readiness phase. Right. You know, we kind of talked about, you know, the possibility, and we all watched uh, those, you know, catastrophe movies where there's, a, you know, a zombie apocalypse caused by some virus or things like that. And, and we had heard stories about, you know, the great influenza and things like that or the bubonic plague, the Black Death. Uh, and so we all kind of had this awareness that things like this were possible, but it, did it really ever seem real? Not really. Not to most people. I, I think that our generation who've lived through this certainly understand now the reality that pandemics can and do happen. And so hopefully, as a society, we can have a conversation going forward about what happens the next time this, this happens? How do we prepare for that? How do we decide who's making decisions? How do we uh, make sure that we have the infrastructure in place so that we can produce therapies, masks, and testing, and laboratory capacity, and all the, those things so that we, we, we avoid the mistakes that were made uh, and the challenges that we, that we experienced during this, this present pandemic? Quickly, as we went through that whole response, 
What do you think are some of the most valuable things we learned? Yeah, so, you know, uh, I think first and foremost, that awareness that, uh, that this can happen. And I, I think, frankly, we dodged a bullet a little bit, that it could have been a lot worse. I think as a society, we have a collective amnesia about how bad smallpox was and polio and diphtheria and so many things that have been relegated to the dustbin of history because vaccines and other developments have, uh, ha- have made those very, very rare illnesses. I think that awareness is something that I think is important for us to hold on to. I think also it's important for us to invest in the infrastructure so that we have and view it like national security so that if and when this sort of thing happens in the past, we can quickly mobilize to create personal protective equipment, to protect, to, to, to create uh, testing supplies and laboratory capacity, uh, and making sure we have good systems of communication uh, between healthcare systems and health departments and our community. Um, there are a lot of things, probably, the, you know, there needs to be a summit or a series of summits on this very topic so that we have a, you know, in case of emergency, break glass sort of a plan in place that we can quickly mobilize. And certainly those are coming. In the coming days, I would, I, you know, you, I have no idea how long you want to stay in public health, but it's not an understatement to say that if you choose to stay in public health to what would be a normal retirement age, COVID-19 is going to be a part of the rest of your career in public health. Yeah, I suspect that it's going to be a part of uh, the, the future of public health practitioners that are much younger than myself as well. I think that, um, you know, we're, uh, there's no reason to think that we can eradicate COVID-19, the SARS-CoV-2 virus, because of a number of factors that I won't go into now. But um, I suspect that we're going to be doing COVID education and prevention and vaccination for a long time in the future, in much the same way that we deal with influenza and other uh, illnesses that are part of the background of our, of our existence. Adam London, he's the director of the Kent County Health Department. Thanks again for spending some time with us, helping us understand these issues. I think a lot of us see things on the news and social media, and we have a difficult time sorting through the clutter, and I really appreciate that. Thanks, Steve. To our listeners, we know there are a lot of things that are competing for your time, and we appreciate you spending part of it with us. You've been listening to A Matter of Public Health, produced by the Kent County Health Department in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Please click that like button and hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. A Matter of Public Health is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Until next episode, I'm Steve Kelso, Communications Manager at KCHD and the host of A Matter of Public Health podcast, wishing you health and happiness.